everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right, everyone. Today we're here for a special episode, an interview with our probably one of our favorite filmmaker residents on Fear Street, Mr. Josh Rubin. Welcome back, Josh. So good to be here. So glad to be the fave. Those are mine. <laughs> yes, like, yes. Who else? Who else could be the fave? I don't right. understand. No, that's, uh, it's just us three. It and is. So, Yes, and you all, so you all probably remember our interview with Josh years ago when we interviewed him for Scare Me, one of our favorite films. And now we're back again to talk about two of our other favorite films, A Wounded Fawn and Blood Relatives. So we're super excited to have Josh back. Okay, and you can find both of those on Shudder at the time you hear this because um, when Wounded Fawn hits on the first, Blood Relatives hit um, Thanksgiving week because like what says family is more than thin vampires. Yeah, um, especially like a, uh, a Jewish daddy-daughter uh, bloody road trip vampire film, exactly. Listen, like if I like a holiday... All, Dad. <laughs> listen. Uh, but yeah, we're here to talk to you about these two movies, but you clearly stay super busy. Um, like you've been doing lots of TV, you've been doing lots of features, you've got some shorts out and about I've seen. Um, how many hours do you have in your day? Because I don't feel like I have the same amount as you. Well, I have way less hours now because I put myself on a quote unquote indie press tour, as I call it, um, putting my email address on Twitter and saying, I will gladly do your podcast um, to promote these two Shutter films because it is a niche uh, platform still, even though they've got, you know, um, well north of a million subscribers. It's still not like having a theatrical run. It's still not like... Um, smile or something uh you know or barbarian they're they're still tiny movies so a lot less free now um i have a lot more time than probably is perceived i think it's just i i can't not be doing something if i'm not writing i'm acting if i'm not acting i'm directing if i'm not directing i'm producing they're, they're, i have to be doing one of those one of those things and when i really got desperate to continue piling on to that you know my plate i decided to um to make a graphic novel that's coming out next year too as, as if as if there just wasn't enough uh wasn't enough shit going on so i i don't know why i do it to myself but um but i can't i can't help it i mean it's all good stuff so like we're benefiting but also you deserve a vacation or at least a weekend but speaking of all the stuff that you do and it is plenty i think we've seen you do everything but craft services so like what is your favorite hat you've worn so far or like in the last three years? Because again, you've done everything. <laughs> I mean, they're all favorite. I'd say the new and they, they're all all favorites in different ways, like um, like children, although I probably, you know, favor one child perhaps more than the other. If I have children, one's definitely going to be a problem. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think because it was a different experience, uh, I valued it in in a brand new kind of way because it was so exciting to just produce. I did cameo in Blood Relatives, but to produce mm -hmm. for Noah in the way of like connecting him with Victoria Morales, who played his daughter Jane in the film, and um, some other talent relationships and sort of 
I don't know, just kind of helping Noah craft the film uh, creatively uh, as he was sort of not preoccupied, but all but duly occupied doing the thing I didn't scare me, which is like, you're also in front of the camera. You're also the writer. You're also, you know, there's also talent relationships. So to be the producer at the monitor and thinking about that stuff, thinking about sort of the directorial um, and kind of creative of it all. So that the whole thing kind of worked together and working through finding, you know, as much opportunity as we could for funny in the edit. And then especially in the sound design, like in the mix, that was big. That the producerial hat was super exciting and stressful as, you know, as, as it, as it can be. I mean, it turned out really, really well. So all that stress wasn't for anything. Um, yeah. I think I've seen it twice now. Maybe. Bless you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I never want to roll in with an obvious question if I can help it. Um, and so like, I, I watch things. <laughs> so yeah. We're going to start this off talking about A Wounded Fawn because you have two movies, as we've said. So if you're listening to this and you've not seen that movie yet, stop what you're doing and watch A Wounded Fawn. It's on Shudder, again, by the time you listen to this. First questions first. Like, most of us know you because your comedy background and you, like, started, like, winning us over with your horror comedies. And so, like, A Wounded Fawn is decidedly not funny. You are not... <laughs> <laughs> you are not playing for laughs. <laughs> Were you, was it something you wanted to do for a while or did the opportunity just happen to show up? Like, how did this, how did this come about? Travis Stevens uh, actually Twitter DM'd me asking if I'd like to read a script and my shoulders kind of went up a bit because my first reaction to just about any time anyone says I have a script is, oh no. Um, but I, I really respect Travis, not only as a director, but as a producer, he's produced for so many brilliant directing buds, including Sarah, Dina Smith, um, and, and Noah, uh, some time ago. <clears throat> and is, um, he's just, you know, he's, he's a, a visionary and a prolific producer in his own right. And I thought, okay, well, I, you know, that Jacob's wife is getting all this great press, especially that had just come out. I have to check this out. And I cracked the script open and it was, you know, you said, was this something I'd always wanted to do? I mean, it was everything I, I want in a part. And especially just looking in terms of like a career trajectory, you look at comedians who've also played sort of horrific characters. I I consider Bruce Campbell to be um, to to lump into that sort of category, even though he wasn't a villain necessarily by any means with the manic places he goes. But you look at people like Robin Williams, who did Insomnia and Death to Smoochie and One Hour Photo. You look at Mark Duplass with the Creep trilogy. Um, and I know uh, these examples sort of go on and on, but you, they're, um, it's so exciting to see. Um, I, I'm so excited and energized by, uh, by, by people who can constantly subvert the expectations for what you might see in their career. And so I, so what I saw in Travis's script was not only an opportunity to be scary, which I really don't get to do um, uh, at least quite often, but also to just to take wild swings and to be a part of, you know, a, a vision and such an incredible vision at that, you know, practical effects and the film of it all, all the good stuff. Listen, I want to talk about the practical effects because they are sick. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of what the fuck moments happening. I don't want to ruin it for people who listen and then watch. Oh yeah. So understand that life. Um, do you have a favorite practical effect from this movie? Because I have one that still haunts me and I saw it this summer. I mean, besides um, fighting a, a, a stovepipe monster um, <laughs> with a, uh, a, a a log claw 
Um, I think my favorite was was anything with the sheets and wind. I think when the wind machine is blowing, you know, they really are just sheets, just fabric in the air, 40 feet of it, 40, 50 feet of it. That was such an artistry and such a craft that the production design team did. And it took so many hands to kind of get right, but it's so effective and so spectral. And the fact that it's interactive um, uh, really takes it a long way. Uh, you know, and the, the, the film adds an extra layer to it, of course, to its effectiveness. But I thought that was so fun because just as an actor, you're looking at, you know, for, for lack of a better a comp, essentially this spectral giant like rising in front of you in the woods in the middle of the night. And that's what this thing was. I got to genuinely react to that. So that was that was my favorite. The the Tisiphone reveal behind the big the big yeah no that that was awesome i can't wait for everybody i know to see it so i can actually talk about it because i keep <laughs> sitting eyeballs and they keep playing in my face um uh so like you and sarah lind who is like your co-star in this movie are flawless scene partners uh, she's genius oh my god yeah i know hey i agree man that's all because she really listens but keep keep going sorry i just had to chime in and <laughs> sing her praises no like i think both of you should definitely be up for some nominations for this movie but did you know each other beforehand or are you just like both badasses so it worked out like oh we're, we're both badasses it was just about we did not know each other we're just badass no it was just like it was crazy it was like we both um were sort of you know it's that whole thing you're going to summer camp and you don't know who's gonna be weird or who's you know someone's gonna be grumpy or they or they're gonna be a badass and um, uh, Sarah and I sat down with Travis and went through the script and it was clear we were sort of, you know, our sensibilities were a bit of a match because we don't take anything too seriously and yet we do take this work seriously. There was, there was no sense that either of us were going to, you know, need to put our headphones in and listen to sad music in the corner to kind of get into it. We were very quick to leap in and out of our, our scenes and just kind of, because we we embrace the play of it and the challenge of it. I think that's a big reason why um, it works so well. On top of the fact, she's just an extraordinary actor. And like I was saying about listening, you know, she really is listening in those scenes. And I'm really, because she's so immersed, I am so immersed and so listening, hanging on every word of hers. And it became kind of really fun to terrify her <laughs> to play <laughs> because she is listening and responding with every nerve. And I'm a small man. I'm not a big man. Um, but to watch her like react to me as if I was truly, you know, um, uh, a threat to her life was, you know, kind of, wow, it's so fucked up. So it was like, really? Cause she's like, really? She's like really responding to this, uh, what I'm throwing down when I'm so used to just like playing comedy. And that's just a testament to her, to her genius. Yeah. No, like again, you are both amazing, but to be fair, you were also very terrified in this movie. So I'm excited for Thank like God. all of the comedy kids to walk in and be like, "Oh no, this is not abort, <laughs> abort." <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm thrilled for it too because I, I, I admire any career you can't quite pin down, and I think mm -hmm. that's something I'm really excited about. Like even, even with the next film or two that that sort of are circling. I think people are going to be surprised in a, in a really good way. Um, and that's at least something I'm going to try and push to do as a filmmaker. So as an actor, if I can do the same stuff, like, that's great. That's the dream. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, you know, Sheree and I have always talked about is 
how you know horror is such a huge umbrella of a genre but and so is comedy really and how those both of those genres are so intertwined in the way that both in performance and in writing and in directing and stuff like that and how you know you kind of if you're gonna be a comedian you kind of also have to be trained and be able to do the, the scary stuff too it's just a very similar muscles i guess yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was this great Guillermo del Toro quote. He was talking about Barb and Star, um, of all things. I think he was interviewing the director of that that comedy. And he was saying there's this, there's this really exciting thing about comedic actors, especially when they play drama or play scary. The, the thing about, you know, an actor like Kristen Wiig as an example is that they're already operating, or like Sam Richardson, you know, who starred in Werewolves, like he's operating at a hundred percent already comedic capacity. Mm -hmm. So they're already inherently funny, but to also be pushing on the dramatic side, I, I don't know. It makes for a really, uh, really powerful performance often. And the thing you have to look for as a filmmaker and the thing that I, I, I try to stay on myself about is you never want to get caught trying to be either thing. You don't want to get caught trying to be funny. You don't want to get caught, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, like, whatever twirling your mustache in front of the, the railroad <laughs> tracks or whatever playing a villain right yeah and i you know sheree and i both caught this at, at a festival a few months ago and it, it was the the top one of the tops from that uh festival f for me and i know for sheree as well and one of the things that really for me put it in the top was a lot of the imagery that was used in the in the in the film and you know some of it was terrifying as we've said some of it was beautiful in some ways and so you know so i was wondering do you do you have a favorite kind of image from this film oh man yeah you know i think i do i think it's well there's actually two the first one is to Tiffany. Uh, after Tisiphone's reveal, I think that mask that Sarah wears is so extraordinary and so kind of iconic. I mean, the Furies are really this, you could consider it a kind of superhero film in that way. And they're this living organism of these three Greek uh, Avengers, essentially, um, <laughs> of the dark. <laughs> but I think that first image of her, like kind of with that bluish green hint of light or hue on that porcelain mask and her like black, black eyes pointing at Bruce was really scary. But there's also this image of when Bruce is running through the woods and then there's a profile shot of I not Majera or maybe it was Majera is it was um, Katie, Katie, uh, Katie Quang's character who's essentially the wooden monster with the hand powers mm -hmm. to Tiffany and Katie's uh, fury were, were following Bruce in this tracking shot. And it looked like something out of the Alice in Wonderland special that scared the shit out of so many kids <laughs> with like the, you know what I mean? With the, um, oh gosh, oh, uh, the Jabberwocky. It was like, it, it reminded me of something, I think because of the film quality of something so immersively evocative of my childhood of the, it reminded me of some of a moment that just that one image that profile of them following him through the misty woods reminded me of something i would have i know i that would have like kinder traumatized me 
um, as a young and like as, as if I'd, <laughs> I'd seen it, uh, you know, on VHS or something. And so that I think that's weirdly the image. It's such an obscure one, but weirdly the one that sticks with me. It's a great question, by the way. All of these are. <laughs> You're just a great guest. So it works out. It's fine. <laughs> right, right. And I, I love that you mentioned in your last answer the the Greekness of it all, because as most people know, Shrey and I met in undergrad both studying theater and i'm a huge greek theater nerd like i love greek plays greek history mm. so i was curious if there was any study into greek mythology uh for prep for the production or during the production process like was there any study into that i can't answer that um uh Accurately, I do know that that Nathan Faudry, who is the original writer, um, who's the co-writer of the of Wounded Fawn, intended for originally had the Furies come to this cabin and be the threat in that initial draft. And then it was Travis who brought in the kind of art world texture to it and some of that dynamic. I'm sure that that Nathan did that did that work and immersed himself in, in Greek um, mythology and knowing Travis and what he knows about art and how he immerses himself in every aspect of this process. <laughs> I'm positive he did as well. Me, I got a 950 on my SATs. Um, I don't think it would have, it would have gone in one year and out the other, but um, <laughs> Hey, I, I think I, re I remember playing Zeus in a play in Ooh. kindergarten and I had a, um, an Oak tag lightning bolt. So that's and about as, <laughs> And so that's what got you the role, I'm sure. You put that. It is, yeah. yeah. There it is. We found yeah, it. Travis remembered being, you know, one, uh, two years old, and uh, <laughs> he, may, he maybe has two years on me, uh, being being four and thinking that guy's going to make a great serial killer someday. <laughs> we, we need to talk about Kevin, you know. Exactly. There it is. We found I it. Um, we are going to shift gears because, again, you've brought two movies this time um, out of so many. And we're going to talk about Blood Relatives. So, like, Blood Relatives is very much the wholesome but dark comedy we expect from you. But you did not write this one, even though it's very on brand for you. Like, how are you finding these projects now as a producer? Because <laughs> they're very much Josh Rubin-esque. Well, this one is probably most Josh Rubin asking. I mean, someday I'll be able to put out in the world, hopefully, um, the other projects I'm producing that are certainly darker. There's one called Surgot that was announced at Frontiers that Francesca Real from Stranger Things and Dagmar Dimitrik from Succession and Lost Daughter are attached to. That's a lot darker. So I, I don't think, hopefully, if I'm doing my job right, no one will watch Surgot when we're able to make that someday and think that's a Josh Rubin produced um, piece. As I venture more into, you know, hopefully darker horror stuff and, um, and do that dance. But Blood Relatives is more kind of, um, you could say, uh, Josh, OG Josh Rubin in the sense that, yes, it's a little, it's a little more buoyant while there is blood, while there are some, you know, esoteric characters and moments. Noah uh, was an audience member for a test screening for Werewolves Within. And I was like, holy, I had no idea. I was like, holy shit, that's Ryan Johnson's like right hand. He's just a utility actor. He's in everything. He's this multi, multi man. And uh, we sort of hit it off and took a couple phone calls, just kind of picking Noah's brain about working with Ryan and, and Noah picking uh, my brain about doing Scare Me. He says, you know, I have a film. That is kind of my scare me where I'd be doing the triple, you know, the triple role thing, writing, directing, acting. And um, would you like to help me? And I just said, 
I am not a paperwork producer. I am a connector. I am a, you know, creative uh, aide on set, a, a co-director, if you will, a producing director, directing producer, whatever, whatever we call it. He's like, that's fine. And, uh, you know, he brought me the script and said, this is about, you know, my kind of journey from being Mr. Cool Guy to being a dad and having to take on some responsibility in my life. And I thought that was beautiful. Shutter thought it was beautiful. They were very quick to fund it, which is wild. It was not a lot of money at all. <laughs> and uh, we were, uh, you know, it was, it was fun because it became a puzzle. It was just like, how can we make, just like with Scare Me, it's like, how can we take this, you know, contained amount of money and, and apply it to what was for Blood Relatives? not a contained film there were multiple locations many more actors than scare me it's kind of insane we did it for for what we did yeah no i was looking at it and i was like wow this <laughs> this was a lot of money <laughs> um but like producing seems to be a lot of stress and time and money and hours and crying so like <laughs> what drew you specifically to this script what made you be like this is where i'm gonna put all of this stress and energy into this needs to happen because I think the coolest thing was for me I, I, as like a theater fan and a, um, you know, you can see what scare me is essentially a black box uh, effort. Uh, Blood Rose is the same thing. It's a dialogue driven character piece. And that's what really made it appealing for me. And so long as Noah was open to diverse casting choices, which he did, wasn't only open to it. He came to the table with people like John Proudstar. Um, and said, there's no, there's no reason why my daughter couldn't be a person of color um, because we don't know who her mother is. And so that was really important to me on top of the fact that, you know, Noah is an Ashkenazi Jew and like he wanted to make this, he absolutely touched on that heritage um, and, um, you know, elements of the Holocaust and stuff with the, the movie is 99.9% a comedy, a, a, a comedy, but has these these elements that were super super important to us and super important to him and his heritage um so you know it was it was kind of a no-brainer beyond the beyond the comedy of it all um just that we made it an opportunity to work with the mostly um diverse and woman cast in taylor texas which was an effort to try <laughs> Um, I mean, we, we absolutely did. You can see our crew picture. I posted a few weeks ago. I mean, it was just like, it was incredible. The folks that came out and how we did it. And it was like, that's such a testament to just like this crew being like, especially if, you know, this trio of like three, like three white Jewish boys, Leal, Naeem and Noah and I just being like, hey, how can we, how can we build this thing out to like not look like us? And that was super important to us. And we have to say like the community of Twitter and our producers at at, um, at Paper Street, Aaron Coots and and Cameron Burns, like they really helped. They really honored that um, that effort and really kind of assisted that. And I have to say, like the community of Austin, Texas, and Taylor, Texas, really came together to like spread the word about volunteers and folks needed and how we were going to prioritize like you know anybody who was really trying to break in you know um especially if if women and and folks of color so we're, we're thrilled it worked out love yeah, to see I, that yes I, I love that you mentioned the um the talent and the diverse talent that you had especially from femme uh people but like so i have to i have to make a confession i since her premiere into my life in the film adaptation of Rent, I have been a huge Tracy Toms fan. So I was curious, were you able to, did you meet her while on set? And do you have any behind the scenes stories? We all fawned over her immediately. <laughs> I was so intimidated 
I mean, I knew her more from Looper, probably only for then to realize, mm -hmm. holy shit, you are from Rent and all these, all the, these other millions so. of things. Um, my favorite memory was actually the 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 day. I think it was the first day she was on set. It was meeting Miss Schelling outside the school. That school was just a sort of. It wasn't an, an operating school, but inside was sort of a, a market bazaar. There was like there was a couple of clothing stores and there was a sandwich place that was known for their like, I don't know, specialty barbecue sandwiches. And um, she was like, I have to try the whatever, the number five, such and such. And I was like, it will be my honor, Tracy Toms, to buy you a number five. And I bought Tracy and noah and myself these sandwiches and like you know it's just that that was that was really special it's just like i bought trace Tom's sandwich and we got to just like talk about it that was like the beginning of our bond and then to learn after the fact that you know she really loves genre um we were mm -hmm. trying to get something off the ground that she's been working on for some time she's got a horror project with um i don't even I don't know if i'm allowed to say who it's with but she's just working on some really cool genre stuff and so um i would love to help produce for her i'm um hoping that i can just gain a little bit more uh i guess power weight to throw around you know maybe mm -hmm. outside of the um the, the boutique shutter community of, you know, if I, if I get to have my barbarian moment and that I can give Tracy yes. Tom the opportunity yes. to like do hers, then that would be the dream, you know? Oh, I love her so much. And now that you tell me she's also a genre fan and I, I, I Oh, I love her. Oh, she's incredible. It was so cool of her to come down. And I mean, everybody got her and Doug Benson and John Proudstar. And the fact that Vic like took the swing on this little movie on Jane, it's, just, it's, it's really exciting. So, you know, besides um, having to purchase uh, sandwiches, were there any other specific hurdles that you had to overcome with, with getting this film produced? The big thing was really, for me, the big thing was keeping Noah, keeping Noah's feet on the ground and, and having him just saying, I promise you, I got you, I got the visuals. Uh, just letting him know when something either was or was not working so that we can continue the momentum of moving on. This is a little movie we shot in, I think, 20 days or less. Um, so it was really just like, you know, just earning Noah's trust or continue to earn the trust and prove that um, that it was uh, uh, what was working was working and what wasn't what wasn't and that 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 we could we can kind of surmount all of those hurdles um, creatively. And that was super exciting was to go like, hey, we're running out of time. Let's just like change up these angles and, you know, uh, do some trickery here. That that same kind of producerial thing you just have to do when you're in the trenches. Yeah, I love that, especially, you know, with I'm sure working on a piece with him that was so close to him, earning that trust was really important. And I think, you know, Sheree's an established writer. I just kind of <laughs> dabbling my foot in writing <laughs> compared to me anyway. Uh, and so, yeah, like it's like giving your baby to someone. So I, yeah, earning that trust, I'm sure was a good, was a, was a hard thing, but a necessary thing. It was great. Yeah, and absolutely is, you know, you just gotta, it's just part of the job. Yeah. We are gonna, cause we are getting close to time. So we're gonna do a quick little speed round because we're nosy and we just want to know things about you. <laughs> but <laughs> we're nosy we, bitches. We are. Before <laughs> we do that though, is there one question you've not been asked on this massive press tour you've been doing? I've been watching you on Twitter um, that you've wanted to be asked. Is there I mean, question? I have to say you you guys have had the uh, the most original questions in succession i'm not shitting you like like 
one after the other questions I have not been asked yet, um, inc- especially like about the imagery of a wounded fawn and, um, you know, about the, 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 the different roles that I've played and which one I prefer. Um, just a different angle in on that. I, I, yeah, and I really, really appreciate that. So, no, you, it, it was, if, if there was one, you guys have asked me it today. Oh. And, um, and we now I can cancel the tour. You know what I mean? Because we've done we it. We have like another 40 podcasts. Don't do that. They'll come yeah. I know. I'm going to get so tired of talking about Greek mythology by the end, but I think to myself. <laughs> like, okay, yes, I played Zeus. Here was my one line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, let us let us begin this lightning round. That's not a real lightning round. Josh Rubin, what are your top five movies everyone must see? Oh my God! Well, um, the no-brainer is Jaws. That's what everyone says, but that was really, really seminal for me. So that's number one. Number two is a lot more obscure. If you're a fan of Tar, um, or if you're a fan of Todd Field, uh, you have to see Little Children. Little Children is Todd Fields. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. It's funny. It's creepy. It's an art film. Um, it's so wildly original and beautiful. And uh, Kate Winslet and Patrick Wilson, Jackie O'Haley are absolute geniuses. And I've watched that movie 7,000 times. I love that movie, um, yes. yes, yes. Uh, I think that if you want to watch a terrific comedy that moves you to tears, uh, Defending Your Life is one of my absolute favorites. Um, Ari Aster even talks about Defending Your Life. It's Albert Brooks' film. It's uh, Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep and Rip Torn. I think it's absolutely, uh, absolutely genius. I just saw a movie that blew my brains out in the best way. Um, I don't know why I was so late to Katie Holmes's Pieces of April. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, oh, my God. Pieces of April was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and the last one is uh, Super Dark Times by Kevin Phillips, um, written by the writers of the new Hellraiser, Luke Petrowski and Ben Collins. I thought Super Dark Times just uh, it, it just gets me just gets me in my core. And I, I just think it's absolute genius. Kevin Phillips is a, a total star and such a such a visual uh, genius. And uh, he and I send each other funny uh, Instagram voice memos all day. So it um, <laughs> makes me feel cool. I love that. <laughs> um, have you seen any movies this year that you're obsessed with? It was a lot of movies coming out for horror this year. Yes. Um, oh, gosh. I feel like I've seen so many that I need to, like, consult my phone. Um, Same. I think... You know, I think the one that I kind of that really uh, I really went home with or kept thinking about was Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yes. Helena Rain. Helena Rain's fucking I mean, I thought that ensemble is genius. Talk about bringing comedian, a comedian into or comedians plural into a a genre piece. Rachel Sennett and Mm -hmm. what, what even what Pete Davidson did. Um, I thought were really good, but like Amanda was Amanda Stenberg, Amanda, yeah, yeah. and I mean, just that whole cast is so incredible, and it was so tense and so funny, and had just kind of an eerie, almost kind of nostalgic sort of a vibe. Maybe it was just about being like I don't know on the East Coast and the storm. It kind of felt like um, sort of a, 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 
a film I might have like grown up with like in the late 80s or something. There was just something sort of oddly sort of nostalgic about it for me. But I just thought it was, uh, of course, it was about, you know, zillennials. Um, but I thought <laughs> Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was just so rad. And there's a movie that's coming out very soon by John Hyams, who did um, a thriller called Alone, a stalker thriller with Mark Menchaca that was amazing. And it's called Sick. And Sick yeah. was written by Kevin Williamson. Oh, so bad. Trey, have you seen it? No, they won't let me. And I keep crying because they won't let me. <laughs> it is, I saw it at Beyond Fest and I have never screamed in a theater at a, at a, at a screen like I did uh, when certain things happened. There was just, there was, there were homages to Friday the 13th. And, you know, of course it has that kind of, Kevin Williamson slasher spirit. I think it is it is going to just rip it up in all the best ways. Oh, I'm so excited for that. I cannot wait. I just want to yeah. give him all of my money and I'm ready for him to take it again. Truly. I, I, so what is next for you? Because I know loosely about three things. I don't know if we're supposed to talk about them, but like, <laughs> what can you talk about that you're willing to share with us for your future projects? I think the only thing I can uh, really actively talk about is, well, we're we're trying to find some financing for this film, Sir God. It's a really tough time right now for movies, especially for independent film. And I'm packaging, you know, if this film as a producer, we have a really, really great cast. I mean, Francesca alone has had such, uh, is so on fire and is doing stuff I can't sort of mention. But Francesca Real, Tony Cavallero from The Righteous Gemstones, uh, Dagmar Dominchik, who's just an absolute genius in succession and the lost daughter. And I mean, you got everything that she's ever done. Um, but it's tough to it's tough to find, um, you know, even a million bucks in, in the industry right now, I think because of the streaming and, you know, even even though it's a horror, it's like it's a really tricky one. But you really just have to persevere. You will find the right partner to sort of make that happen. So I am producing Surgot. We're in the financing sort of stage of it, which is exhausting. Um, and then I have this graphic novel that um, Brianna Tippetts, who's a brilliant artist, uh, uh, has illustrated the entirety of, and that one will be um, published by the fine folks at Invader Comics in 2023. And I will uh, be sure to let you know whole lot more about that when i when i know more but um it's pretty twisted i hope i hope people don't just like completely cancel me um for that <laughs> one um so but uh hey it's i could just be like oh yeah no uh whatever it was brianna's fault i don't know <laughs> i'll just gaslight everyone because that's just what um filmmakers like me do right and just, just get on twitter and say i didn't do it <laughs> it's a special class in film school that like, a lot of us <laughs> really? just need to take <laughs> yeah, <it's really> <laughs> Um, things that are in the future, like we're all waiting for you to get dark man and we I need know. that, but like what draws you to the universe? Because I don't think I've ever heard you actually speak about what makes you want that. Oh, oh my goodness. That, that, that's a beautiful question. Well, <clears throat> it is a horror hero movie. We do not, we do not have many horror heroes other than Blade and Hellboy, um, Darkman is uh, Darkman is a horror hero, but there's so much going on um, with the humor in the world. Certainly that Raimi set up, and um, I uh, I think I don't know. It's it's it hits so many different parts of my of my so many different favorites of my like lizard brain palette from the prosthetics to the wickedness to the wackiness 
to the the fact that it's Liam Neeson and he kicks ass to the fact that if you think about, you know, a legacy sequel, what that would look like today, there's so many things that make that get me excited. You think about a technology where um, this guy invented basically uh, uh, a technology where anyone could wear a face. It looks realistic. So you think about you think about what stalking might mean in the context of dark man and of dark man's world and just about i don't know uh just about making a, a comic book movie but about someone who is as as terrifying as you know a universal movie monster is it's really really exciting to me and yet he's got it's got heart and it's it's um i thought that was what was so ultimately wild about the original is as crazy as it was you really cared about like like these two characters about francis mcdormand and liam's kind of love to her no that's awesome because like we've all been like give him dark man but i don't think anybody's ever asked but why do you want it and so i thought i would do that because that's what a podcast is for oh my gosh <laughs> i i want it for so many reasons there's just yeah i could go on and on forever i mean just thinking about like what the the makeup and 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 uh practical effects vendors of today even seeing what they did in you know, I don't know the, the the what the Russells did in the recent Hellboy, or some of the effects, even the McGee the McGee effects, folks. Patrick McGee is a brilliant effects artist I'd love to work with, who did like some brilliant uh, vignettes in VHS ninety nine. I mean, there's like what you can do with some of these folks today. They're so creative, even what like the Winters did on Deadstream. It's just like it's it's just really fun to think about um, expanding that world to where we have a bit more. Uh, I don't know, many more resources, perhaps even than than Raimi did some time ago. And the audience sensibilities these days is such that like people want something kind of fresh and wild and different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Darkman's got that. I'm excited for your Darkman. I don't know who we have to like talk to, but I'm ready. Um- <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it. I probably have to do one theatrical hit. I need one financial success. So if you guys can just like write something for me where that'll be a guaranteed theatrical hit in the era of uh, uh, post COVID where uh, theaters are, um, are, are drawing like husks. That would be wonderful. We need the magic touch here. And uh, we're on hey, it. I hope it doesn't happen. We're on it. And we're going to make sure that there's a role for Tracy Toms. Uh- <laughs> yes. Yes. Dream. <laughs> Dream scenario. 100%. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all we have for you today. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us again. We love having you on the show. I love doing the show, and I think you you both are just terrific, and I can't thank you enough for um, wanting somehow to hear me just babble on. Um, so thank you for consuming my madness, and um, I uh, I hope the world likes these these two very, very different Shutter movies. I, I am, I'm glad they're so uh, disparate. Yes, and one of these days when schedules line up and we're, we have everything which works out, we're going to have you on the show to talk about Jaws because it's just it has to happen. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, what what is there to say that hasn't already been said except that like uh, it's got a it's got such a spirit. I mean, come on, what a tone, you know? It's an adventure movie. What a, what a damn tone, and then how brutal. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. But yes, yeah, so thank you everyone for listening. We have we still have a ton of stuff coming out for the rest of this year, so be on the lookout. I don't know when this is landing, so I don't know what to actually plug. <laughs> but just keep an eye out. We're talking. We'll be talking about some of the movies you might have heard on this this interview. So you never know. <laughs> but yes, thank you again, Josh, for joining us. Thank you all for listening. And as always, 
make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye. Bye.